0: Well, it's good to be with you again this morning. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been here and uh, filling in for Pastor Mike and helping uh, out where I can. And I hope that you have been praying for your pastor. And uh, when you heard that I was coming back, that you whispered a prayer for me uh, because we all need it. We all need it. Well, you got through the Christmas holidays, didn't you? Last week was one of those uncertain weekends, and yet many of you were able to come and be in the worship center. Many uh, visited our church by uh, uh, Facebook, and so we are thankful for that. Uh, last Sunday morning, I'm in the Portland, Vancouver area, and, and I was looking for a church to attend. I was all ready to go to the church I attend down there, and All of them were closed with the exception of one, and that was quite a distance away. Uh, But uh, we worshiped anyway, and worshiped online with many, many others. Uh, I hope you had a good Christmas holiday. Um, Someone already asked you how my holiday went, and it was fantastic. Uh, we had, uh, I think it was 17 in our home. Uh, as they gathered, I have a son that's in North Carolina, and his family, they were the only ones not able to be with us, but the others were there. We ranged from uh, uh, two years old all the way up to yours truly, and uh, I don't even remember what that is, you know. <laughs> And I don't want to remember. But uh, we had a great time. We had a great time uh, watching the kids. Uh, In our home, uh, we gather on Christmas Eve. Uh, We exchange gifts uh, on Christmas morning. Some camp over. And we have our little ones uh, opening gifts. And we always start... Uh, with singing happy birthday to Jesus uh, on Christmas Eve, and then it carries through the next morning. And the reading of the uh, Christmas story, kind of a family thing, you know? Um, and to talk about the virgin birth a little bit. And you realize that, that that is a miracle to celebrate, the virgin birth. I was looking online. Not everybody understands it, nor do they wish to understand it. But I looked online and I found a, uh, uh, that a, a teacher assigned a little girl an assignment. And the assignment was simply, uh, could you write something about Christmas? Christmas. Could you tell us something about how the baby got here? Well, uh, she put her pencil to the paper and began to write. And so she went to her grandmother and she asked uh, how, how her generation came to pass. Well, the grandmother being... Uh, up in years looked at her and said well uh, honey I've got to tell you a stork came and brought you well that was sufficient for the moment and so she went to her mother and asked her mother and says well how did my generation get here and she too uh, responded "Uh, well A stork brought you. Uh, So she wasn't satisfied. So she went back to her grandpa and said, grandpa says, you know, I'm confused. Grandma told me a stork brought us. Mama told me a stork brought us. Grandpa, could you clear it up? How did I get here for two generations? we've never had a normal birth at our home. Could you explain it to me? Well, you know somehow some way uh, we get confused about what is normal. Uh, yeah the virgin birth is is not a normal happening, but it's a great celebration of what did happen. We might as well tell the truth about it and share it. Well, the ice came, as you know. The snow came. Uh, you know, people in Ohio and Pennsylvania and New York, they laugh at us out here because, you know, you get one inch and everything rolls up. Uh, but my grandson, uh, who will be unnamed uh, had his first accident the ice he works until 11 o'clock was driving home hit an ice spot and uh, uh, knocked out a, a pole and uh, banged up his car when I asked him about it he he tried to explain it to me as best he could i don 't think he wanted me to know about it, but I, I did, and he tried to explain it in all kinds of terms i thought well okay it 's his first accident he 'll learn that you have to be a little slower around the curves i uh, i 've had those kind of accidents. Uh, I went and uh, looked up uh, one of my files because he is going to have to talk to the insurance agent. And he's going to have to be able to tell them what happened. I I found a whole list of uh, people reporting accidents to insurance companies. These are actual reports of Of people writing down or conveying what took place so they could put a claim in. Let me read a couple of them to you. This one said, I was coming home, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree I don't have. (laughs) Another one said, the other car collided with mine without giving warning of its intention. Another one said, I had been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. Uh, Another, I was on the way to the doctors with rear end trouble (laughs) when my universal joint gave way, causing me to have an accident. Another one says, the pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. (laughs) I like this one. It says, the indirect cause of this accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. Uh, Or this one. A truck backed through my windshield into my wife's face. Uh, and then the last one I I I'll just pulled out because I could understand this one. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. <laughs> so uh, we always try to explain some things away. I was watching uh, I was watching a commercial the other day. You might have seen it. A young boy walks out and he is in the midst of his uh, football team. And he's trying to encourage his football team. And then he looks at him and he says, who's got my back? Some of you have seen that. And he started shouting to the team. Who's got my back? And the team responded, we've got your back. We've got your back. And then a coach came in and says, I've got your back. And back and forth, the louder they got, who's got my back? I've got your back. Well, then it goes into the professional teams. And someone stands there, a well-known quarterback, and says, who's got my back? And now other professional players are saying, we've got your back. And all the way through the commercial, that's all that is being said. We've got your back, we've got your back, who's got my back? And then at the very end, a gentleman walks to the screen and he looks at the screen and he says, if we stay together, nobody can overcome us. You gotta have my back. Well, I tell you, my mind started reeling a little bit because I was wondering that as a Christian, Who's got my back? Who is watching over me? Am I covering for somebody else? Am am I standing in the gap for someone else? And then what I discovered as I was reading scripture that, that God, the creator goes on record to show us over and over and over again how he has us covered. <laughs> uh, let me read to you a portion of scripture from Philippians chapter four i 'm going to uh, read this scripture and then i 'm going to take you back to second Kings and read a portion of scripture there as well. Listen to this well read well well familiar scripture. I'm going to only begin with verse 4 of chapter 4 of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Hang on to that. Who's got your back? Well, the Lord's near. Let's hang on to that. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. The Lord is near. Uh, that's quite a statement especially when the scripture tells us that we are to rejoice in him always because he is near. How was your year? 2021 will never happen again. <laughs> For some of us were saying thank the lord. <laughs> Uh, it's been t- times of ups and downs for many individuals. You've experienced some, some ins and outs and maybe even financial reversals. You might have even gone through some times of sorrow and pain and heartache. And you sit here this morning and you're embarking on a new year hoping for a better time. Did you make it to the day's service? Are you breathing this morning? Are you secure this morning in the fact that you have a relationship with God? Do you know why that is? It's because God is near and He's got your back. In the midst of the hardships, in the midst of the challenges of life, oftentimes we fail to remember that God is responsible for care, the care of his children. And he never forgets to take care of us. I thought, well, if God's got my back, how do I know it? If God's going to see me through some hardships and has walked me through some of the valleys this year and helped me to climb my most difficult mountains, how do I know it? So I thought I'd go to the scripture and say, well, was there any time that God demonstrated that he was on the scene? so i went to second kings and i discovered in second kings chapter 4 a story about a little widow lady who was facing difficult times I, I'm just going to read it to you because it's not a long one. It, it really becomes a blessing to me to realize that God watches over his children, no matter who they are, or what they are going through. That God is there and near all the time. Let me read it to you. Second Kings chapter 4. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah your servant my husband is dead and you know what he revered. He revered the Lord but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Elijah replied how can I help you? Tell me what to do and what you have in your house. Your servant has nothing she responded except a little oil. Elijah said go around and ask your neighbors for some empty jugs. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your son's Pour oil into those jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him afterwards and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied... There's not another jar left. And the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and said, he said, go sell the oil, pay the debt. You and your sons can live on what's left. If there's ever a picture of God with us, it's right there. I'll tell you, when I looked at this particular scripture, I I, I thought to myself, here's a a lady who has a spirit of discouragement all about her. After all, her husband just died. She has the responsibility now of taking care of two sons. Her husband was one of the sons of the prophets. That's what they were called. They were, were actually disciples of the prophets. They, they were students wanting to learn how to do God's work and wanted to be influenced by people like Elijah and Elijah. He was one of the students who traveled with Elijah and Elijah, and he dies suddenly. And he leaves his wife and two sons and a debt. His wife is overwhelmed with grief. What is she going to do? How, how is she going to make it in life? I mean, in that particular day, it wasn't like today where opportunities are for everyone. Uh, she wasn't able to just go out and and, and work at uh, McDonald's or, or some place, and she wasn't just out there trying to find a secretarial job or a, a receptionist job. She was pretty well untrained. Her responsibility was to stay at home and take care of the children while her husband was the leader of the house. And so at the very beginning, she is overwhelmed by this new responsibility. Plus, there's a debt. And uh, the creditor is not happy that He is not getting paid. And so he's putting the screws, tightening the screws on her and saying, listen, if you do not satisfy this debt, I'm going to come into your house. I'm going to take your boys. I'm going to sell them into slavery or make them my own bond servants. And so it's all packed in. So she goes to Elijah, who is the representation of God, and she cries out to him. She says, Elijah, my husband is dead. He was one of your disciples. What am I going to do? She tells him the story. He looks back at her, and he says to her, I'm sure out of compassion... What do you want me to do to help? And then immediately, he asked her a question. I think immediately God showed him the solution. He says, what do you have in your house? Now, this particular situation always stops me. In my tracks because all of a sudden we see an individual, a a desperate individual, a person that is filled with the spirit of troubled times who is just struggling to get through life. Have you ever faced a time in your journey where your back was against the wall and you didn't know which way to go? Have you ever faced shortage? Have you ever gone through a loss of a loved one or a friend? Has this year, 2021, impacted you to the point where you found yourself in a deep valley? And you've cried out to God and you yourself have Thought to yourself, well, nobody cares what I'm facing. I lost three buddies this year to COVID. Two of the three were roommates in college. I sat back and I, I listened to their uh, services and I, I thought to myself, my... The pain that I was feeling. Then I thought about the pain that their family was feeling. And I thought, how can this be? Do you realize that being aware of God usually starts when you're in troubled times? This little lady is filled with discouragement and depression because of her newfound future, unknown future. But Elijah looks at her and says, What do you have in your house? it's very simple. She responded, I don't have much anything. My boys are hungry. I have no future. My cupboards are bare. Elijah, I I don't have anything except for a cup of oil. A little pot of oil. But what does that do for me if, if I don't have anything to cook for the boys? I just have a little pot of oil. She was looking at how small her resources were. Do you look at the scripture there? And you will notice that Elijah was not taken back. Elijah was not surprised. He was not panicking. In fact, because God was revealing to him a solution. He probably said, oh, that's enough. God's got this. She didn't recognize it yet. What I want you to do, Elijah said, I want you to take that little pot and I want you to keep it. And I want you to realize that God is going to multiply that. Do you realize that uh, most of us look at the little things in life as non essential You know what this teaches me? It teaches me that whatever I have is enough for God. Whatever I have, God can handle. There's a little song years ago we used to sing it, Little as much when God is in it. Do you realize that that little pot of oil was about to be multiplied and blessed? And she didn't even know it. Do you realize that whatever you have in your possession, whatever you have in your resource cabinet, it's enough for God when it's in his hands? He talks about supplying our every need. Well, oftentimes he supplies it by what we already have. Uh, Read the scriptures, and and I know you have, and I know that this is familiar. Remember the feeding of the 5,000 people? Uh, More like 15,000 when they all got together. The families came together. Jesus said to Andrew, Andrew, hey, uh, how are we going to feed this group? Andrew says, there's nothing here to feed him with. Oh, oh, except that the only resource we have is a little boy who has what? Five biscuits and two sardines. (laughs) What did Jesus say? Jesus said, bring that little lunch to me. And Jesus took the little and multiplied it until there was plenty of leftovers. Remember Moses when he was being talked to by God? And Moses was making all kinds of excuses of why he couldn't respond as a leader to Israel. And God looked at him and said, what do you have in your hand? He said, well, I got a shepherd's staff. it's, It's my rod. Keeps those sheep in line. He says, throw it on the ground. Okay, he throws it on the ground. It turns into a serpent. He just picks it up by the tail, picks it back up, and he's got his staff again. Do you realize that that rod in the hands of God, through the messenger of Moses, performed all kinds of miraculous activity? The plagues of Egypt were brought up past because it was in the hands of God. You realize that he took that rod, he touched the Red Sea, and it parted so that children of Israel could be rescued. When they said they were thirsty, he took that rod, he touched the rock, and water came to enough to quench the thirst of all the Israelis. Little is much when God is in it. She did not realize that at her fingertips, she had all the resources that God would ever need to bring about a miracle. You and I. We might not look at it as resources, but if we have the faith the size of a mustard seed and we exercise that faith, believing that God can take us through the darkest moment of our life, we have enough to activate God's miraculous hand. I've been in ministry a long time. I've shaken a lot of people into the church and shake a lot of people out of the church. Sometimes I'd look at people shook their hand and said, hey, how you doing today? And they look at me and say, fine, under the circumstances. <laughs> you know what my response is? What are you doing under the circumstances? Aren't you a child of God? Aren't you supposed to be living under the banner of grace? Don't you know that your heavenly father, once you accepted Jesus Christ, brought you into his family so that you could live the abundant life? What are you doing under the circumstances? The heavenly father is near. He's got your back. He says, I will be with you even in the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus himself says, I will walk with you. I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. I am with you. I get concerned over Christians who always worry about tomorrow. When God tells us He is with us, do you realize that there is nothing in this world that can overtake me except myself? I can limit God with my attitude. I can limit God with my resources by holding them back. I choose to trust God. I choose to walk with God. I choose to honor the God who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. The one who put the sun, the moon, and the stars in space. The one who breathed into the nostrils of mankind. Life. I choose to worship him because he is with me. He's got my back. Even if I don't know it from time to time. You look at that scripture and here she is. A little bit of oil. He immediately looks at her and says, go and gather some empty jars. Bring them together. Go into your kitchen. Shut the door and start pouring. Because your blessings are on the way. She starts to knock on doors She and her boys go to neighbors and say, do you happen to have any empty containers that I could borrow? I'll bring them back to you. Do you realize that she was setting herself up to become gossip bait? What if it didn't come to pass the way the prophet said? She was telling everybody that God was going to bless her through a little pot of oil. What was the significance of the pot of oil? Oil in that day, olive oil, was a necessity in that day. Not only for cooking, but in everything that was made, olive oil was a part of it. It was used to to put on iron and... So that rust could stay away. It was used for ointments and salves and skin smoothing and everything else. It was, it was marketable. It was a resource that, that everybody needed. And so she was going to have plenty of resource if she would just obey him and his instruction. But if it didn't come to pass, then people were going to say, see, your God didn't come through. Uh, You're so overcome with grief that you buy into anything. The town gossipers would be like that. And the faith that she was putting into God, her boys would wonder if that God could be trusted. She gathered them all. She chose to obey. And Elijah said, go into your kitchen, put all the jars out, take your boys And shut the door and start pouring. I looked at that and I said, Elijah wasn't even invited to go inside and watch the miracle happen. Have you thought about that? The only witnesses to the miracle are the mama and two boys. Okay, mark this down. This is great. There's a great truth in here. The blessings and miracles of God are usually done behind closed doors. Think about that. I've seen plenty of miracles happening in my lifetime through the church. But do you know, most of my prayers have been answered where nobody else has been? Behind closed doors? Most of your answered prayers come as a result of your private times of prayer. You've shared with God your needs. You have not shared and made them public. You've shared with God your personal needs. And he has rewarded you, sometimes privately and sometimes openly. But he has rewarded you behind closed doors. Great little Bible study. Reading your devotions about how God has performed miracles. Go into the scriptures and discover some of the miracles that occurred without public. For instance, uh, Jairus, remember Jesus was interrupted by Jairus uh, on the way to the synagogue and Jarus' daughter was ill in the New Testament. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, would you come to my house? My daughter is near death. I need you to come. Do, do what you do. They're on their way to his house. On the way, all of a sudden, they are interrupted by a messenger who says, Jarvis, don't bother Jesus any longer. Your daughter is dead. No need to bring Jesus now. When they arrive, the wailers have already been brought in. The family is weeping. The bedroom has her little body has been stilled by death. What does Jesus do? Jesus goes and empties the living room of all those family members and friends and says, Step outside. He closes the door, and the only one who is about to witness the miracle is mom and dad and Jesus. And pretty soon, Jesus, I wasn't there, so I don't know what happened. Jesus comes out of the room and he announces that she's well. Typical teenager, she wakes up, looks at mom and dad, and says, What's there to eat? It's a miracle behind closed doors. Oh, would we learn, could we learn that, that God doesn't just work on a Sunday morning, that God works every single day of our lives. Why? Because he's with us and he's got our back and he walks with us and talks with us and he knows what we need ahead of time. And she is in that kitchen and she begins to pour. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, the jars that she has as her boys are handing it to her, are being filled to the brim blessing after blessing is about to become hers her children's destiny she now knows that they're not going to be slaves any longer she is cared for because of the oil that has been brought to her through the hand of God see nobody witnessed it except for she and her boys except God was with her in that kitchen as well. Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego realized that there was a fourth figure in there watching over them. Friends, I want you to know God is the supplier. God is near. Every one of our lives The one part of the scripture that just hits me square in the face is that when she has poured the last of the oil in the last empty jug, the miracle stopped. The blessing stopped. I got to thinking about that. What if she would have just gotten one or two more empty vessels? What if she would have gathered just a couple more jars? I thought to myself over the years, what if I would have just held on just a little bit longer? What if I would have waited just a little bit longer on God to bring about his blessing? I heard the story of a man who went to heaven. Peter greeted him at the gate and said, uh, I'm going to take you for a tour of heaven. They walked down the streets of gold and they saw all the beauty of heaven. And all of a sudden they approached a, a house. It was called the blessing house. The man said, Peter, what's this? He said, oh, he says, you want to see inside? He says, this is called the blessing house. So they walked down the corridor of this never-ending warehouse And as he walked in, there were on both sides of the path all kinds of packages with all kinds of names. And all of a sudden he gets midway and he stops and he says, wait a second, those packages, they have my name on them. What is that? Why do they have my name on them? Peter says, Well, those were blessings that God had prepared for you. He says, Well, I never got them. And Peter responded, You never ask. I wonder how many churches I've pastored where I stopped too soon and God had blessings for those churches. I wonder how many times in my own personal life I, I haven't trusted God enough. Haven't believed that God has had my back enough. Where in my personal life and my family's life, we, 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 we cut the supply off too soon. How many blessings I have missed because I just haven't totally put my trust in God. Well, this lady, she surrendered everything she had to God and God supplied her every need. Here's what I want to leave with you. when you surrender your total being to God, God will always be with you. God will take what you have and he will multiply it. If you don't think you can face your tomorrows, God says, I'll face them for you. If you feel weak, God says, I will be your strength. If you feel that you're always wanting, God says, I am your supply. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what's back at your home, but I do know that there is a God who's got your back if you're trusting Him, if you're believing in Him. He is there all the time. Don't panic. Don't throw your arms up and say, I quit. Don't blame anybody else. Just hold on to the promise of God. And as the scripture said, rejoice in him always. Because he is near. There's an old chorus that we used to sing. That came to me this week. Boy, it's old. I mean, it's old, really old. He is real to me, He is real to me. Jesus is real. To me, He is real to me. He is real to me. Jesus is real to me. He is all I need. He is all I need. Jesus. He is all I need. He is all I need. He is all I need. Jesus is all I need. I'm not a singer. But that doesn't stop me from having a song in my heart that says... God, thank you for covering my back. Thank you for facing 2022 knowing you will always be near. I challenge you on this first Sunday of this brand new year to focus on the one who never leaves you and worship and praise him. Our worship team's going to come, close us with a number while we worship him and praise him. God bless you. God bless you. Hold on, God's not done yet in your life. God bless you.